indeed. Good morning, friends. What a joy it is to see you here. Let me start with a brief postmortem about this week and this weekend. Let me tell you, friends, we have had an extraordinary week on this campus, and I just want to brag on it for a minute, all right? It's not bragging if it's the truth. We started early in the week with living nativity, and I want to tell you, in spite of the blessed rain the Lord sent to us, we pressed on and were able to present the gospel to so many who came, either they stopped and got out of their vehicles or they just drove by us. What a joy it was to proclaim that. We gave each person that came a, 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 a flyer that had a, a thing about silent night. What we are seeing and how we are seeing it, I believe God is going to use that, and I want you to continue to pray with me. That was, that was the first part of the week, and then on Friday and Saturday, we launched off our snow days. Now, you know, friends, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Snow in Midland, it's a different animal, you know. Normally, when we see snow, we run to HEB and grab bread, chili, and fabric softener and go home. What would it be like? Man, it was glorious. It was an awesome couple of days. And if you think it was all about the snow and the party, you're sadly mistaken. You see, what happened Friday night? We invited people to go to a prayer tent if they wanted to talk to somebody, and somebody took us up on that. More than one, but one particular person who came to our designated person and invited Christ into their life right there Friday night at the snow party. I mean to tell you, the Word of God says that when one comes to faith in Christ, it causes a celebration in heaven. We might as well join in it. It is a wonderful opportunity for us to rejoice at what God has done. Then we had the musical yesterday at 2, and if you did not get here for it, don't worry, it's not too late. You can join us at 6 p.m. right back here. It is going to be a wonderful worship experience. Now, if you're coming for a concert, don't come because it's a worship environment. It's a worship experience. We want you to engage, not just observe. But my prayer is that you'll join us tonight at 6 as we launch off into that. So we're talking this morning about joy. And sometimes joy is unexpected. Unexpected joy is the best kind. It's like God popping out of a box to surprise us with something that maybe we didn't know was coming, or even if we did, it was a reminder of his goodness. Before we begin, will you pray with me? We thank you today, Lord Jesus, for Christmas and for the chance to be here together today. We receive it with gratitude, Lord, and we thank you for the incredible week of ministry and message that you have given us we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would meet with us now and reveal the joy that you intend for us to have. Guide us, Lord Jesus, as we open your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Luke chapter 2, we have the story that is most familiar to us with regard to the Christmas story. The first 20-ish verses of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 tell us about Mary and the ride to Bethlehem, and there was no room for them in the inn. It tells us about the shepherds encountering the angel and them coming in a hurry and finding Jesus, Mary, and Joseph gathered exactly like they did. But there's another part of Luke 2 that I want us to look at today. Deanne read it for us so well a minute ago, but I want us to see it today because it is one of the most significant parts of what I believe is the Christmas story. 
It's a song. It's a song that starts in verse 28 and continues for the next several verses. It's one of five songs that appears in the Gospel of Luke about Christmas. We'll take that up another time. But for now, let's say this. It was a song that was an eternity in the making. What do I mean? I mean this. Waiting. It's the hardest part of godly obedience. You see, in verse 25 of chapter 2, we're introduced to Simeon. Now, we don't know anything about Simeon before this moment. We don't know anything about Simeon after this moment. We only have what's in Luke 2. But there we have our friend Simeon, who was a man described as righteous and devout. He was waiting. And what was he waiting for? Make sure you see this, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's sort of code for the Messiah. When was the Messiah promised? Well, you can go back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. There you'll find the prophet telling us to look for him in Bethlehem where he'll be born. Or you can go back to Isaiah, 700-ish years before the time of Christ. And Isaiah, the prophet, tells us that a virgin will conceive and she'll give birth to a son and he'll be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Or you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 when God makes it clear there will be a solution ahead, a promised one. So all of humanity has been waiting for the same thing that Simeon has been. He's been waiting. I don't know about you, but waiting isn't something that I always do well, especially not when it's something that I'm excited about or something that I can't wait for. Simeon had been given a great gift. Simeon had been told by the Spirit of God that he would not die before he saw this promised one. Here's what you might gather from that. Faithfulness to God in the waiting. Simeon. We don't know how old he is exactly, but we know this. He was a man that was aged. He'd been told this some years earlier, and day after day, he came to the temple. Month after month, he came to the temple. Year after year, he came to the temple, and he waited, he waited, he waited. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the promise that God had made to him that there would be a day when he would deliver the consolation, the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ child. What would it look like? Well, we don't know that God told him that. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that when they came to the temple, He'd be wearing a, a name tag that says, Hi, I'm the Messiah, Savior of the world. Or maybe since he comes as a baby, Joseph would be carrying a bag with Jesus' name stitched on it. Do you think that was it? Maybe not. But we know this. Simeon was waiting, trusting God, confident that God had not forgotten his promise. Confident that God would carry through his assuredness, confident that God, the same one who's always kept his word, would here too. See, God has a practice of helping us wait. Abraham waited 25 years for the child that God had promised him. 
Jacob waited 14 years to marry Rachel. Joseph waited two years in prison for the deliverance that God would bring. Job waited for God's reply to him. David waited years between when he was anointed and when he was raised up to be king. Paul waited 14 years before he went from where he was in Arabia to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples what he'd been preaching. Waiting. It's not something that we necessarily do well. I heard a story this week, and I don't know if it's true, but I will tell it as I, share, as I, I received it. Husband and wife were going shopping at a department store. The husband knew that he was in for a long wait, so he separated from her and said, I'll get what I want, and I'll just wait for you. He bought a, a folding chair, one of those camping kind of chairs, and a sleeping bag for an upcoming camping trip. Well, after he made his purchase, he went over to the area where his wife, and where he knew she was shopping. He unfolded his chair and put it down and sat down with his sleeping bag in his lap. An employee came to him and he said, uh, Sir, may I help you? And he said, No, no, I'm just here waiting for my wife. Another customer heard that and said, I'm waiting for my wife too, but I didn't think to bring a chair and a sleeping bag. I didn't know I was going to be here that long. Perhaps that's not the kind of waiting we're talking about. Maybe it's the kind of waiting that says, I trust you, God. Waiting. You know, for some of you, you're in that pattern of waiting right now. Those gifts under the tree, they're just mocking you, aren't they? Especially if you know what's in them. So this year I did something different for Christmas for me. I'm told that I'm hard to shop for. I don't believe it. I shop for myself all the time, and it's not a problem. But on this particular day, I was shopping, and I found a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. Now, you can hold your booze. But I found a Cowboys sweatshirt, and it fit me perfectly. And so rather than tell my family about it, I just bought it. And I took it home, and I said, here, give this to me for Christmas, all right? <laughs> Never have you seen more grateful people, all right? Sure, sure. So I know what box it's in. I know the paper that's wrapped in, wrapped in, and I know the shape of the tag that's laying there. I know what's in there. And you know what? Today is game day, so I was thinking last night as I was cold, I was like, man, it would be great to wear that sweatshirt. <laughs> but I didn't do it, you know? Here's why. Sometimes waiting is a part of the process, isn't it? Sometimes God wants us to trust him. I'm going to give you a couple of things to take home. One, pray patiently if you're in a waiting period. Now, sometimes our prayers for patience go like this. God, I need patience, and I need it right now. Listen, if that's the prayer that you pray, it's honest, it's faithful, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. Praying patiently means saying, God, I trust you. Your timing is better than mine. Your love will sustain me while I wait. I'm going to rest while you take care of the details. And speaking of that, wait faithfully. When I was a much younger man, long before I was in ministry, I had a dear saint sit down with me and say, Darren, where do you think God is taking you? What do you see ahead for you? 
I had no idea and I told them as much. And this is what they told me. When you're unsure of God's next step for you, continue in the last thing he told you. Lean into what God has told you before until he tells you something else. Friends, I would offer the same encouragement to you. Waiting faithfully is sometimes the hardest thing to do. The temptation and the one that Satan brings to us so often is, well, if God were really God, he would have already taken care of it. If God were really God, he would have already resolved all these problems and you wouldn't have to wait. If God were really God, he wouldn't require patience of you. Or we come to God ourselves and we say, hey God, here's my schedule, here's my calendar. Can't you see how long it's been? Yeah, it's understandable. But what I am advocating for based on what Simeon's example is to us today is to take his example of waiting. Now the question begs, and it's where we'll move to next. How did Simeon know that was the child? Oh, friends, let's meet deliverance. Seeing God bring his promises to pass. I love verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God. Pause right there for a moment. Jesus is eight days old when this encounter occurs. You see, the Levitical law was that you would bring your child on the eighth day. You would bring your child to, on the eighth day for the appropriate the appropriate rights to introduce them into the covenant of God. This was the methodology, the means by which they would accomplish that. I wonder, for those of you who are parents, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, how you would feel about somebody coming and taking your eight-day-old infant out of your arms. Well, I don't know about you, but I know how I would have felt. Hey, 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 listen, strange old man. Take three steps back, all right? And yet, for whatever reason, Simeon takes this child and embraces the child and has a proclamation. What it says to me is that some days are bigger than others. Some days are just bigger than others. Could it be that the Spirit of God has a big day for you right now? Maybe you didn't come expecting the Spirit of God to move in your life. Maybe you're you're tuned in and you're seeing this and it's not Christmas anymore and you're watching it anyway. Could it be that the Spirit of God has a day planned that you didn't expect? See, we don't see anything that indicates God told Simeon how long he would wait or how he would know. It just seems that the Spirit of God whispers it into his heart that today's the day and there's the child. Can you imagine the joy that came? the overwhelming sense of peace, the deliverance that he felt that God had indeed kept his promise. And that's what leads us to verse 29. If you're one who underlines in your Bible, verse 29 is one I want to invite you to do so. It goes by a special name, a special name that in Latin is the first two words. Now, we're not Catholic, but we can learn something here, and it's something that I want to introduce to you. The title that we've hung on verse 29 in the verses that follow is Nunc Dimittis, the song of Simeon. 
Nunc dimittis. It means now dismiss. The first two words in the King James that our friend Simeon utters. And what does this mean? Well, in one of the most beautiful and poignant sections of Scripture to be found anywhere, Simeon's song reflects a confidence that now he can go home because God has kept his promise. It's almost like he said, I've seen it all, God. You can take me home now. Indeed, he had seen it all. The Messiah has come, and Simeon holds him in his arms. My eyes have beheld your salvation. This moment for which all of heaven held its breath has come. Deliverance, deliverance has arrived. Sometimes it comes differently than we expect, didn't it? You say Christmas, it, it, it is at the same time a beginning and an end. It is a beginning of a new age of salvation. God has opened the door through his son Jesus for us to walk through. What an incredible gift it is that he's given us. But what does Jesus get out of the deal? Well, this is the best part of all, friends. He gets you. He gets me. Maybe you would say, well, that's rather arrogant. Do you think you are so amazing? No, but Jesus did. He came looking for me. You might not feel very valuable. Jesus thinks otherwise. It reminds me of a story that I heard some years ago, and I want to share it with you now. In the year 1813, there was a war. The Prussians were fighting against Napoleon. Napoleon, he's real popular because of that movie that's out these days. The Prussians were hard-pressed, to say the least. They were cash poor. They knew they could buy Napoleon off, but they didn't have the money for that. Capitulating, surrendering was just unthinkable. Instead, Princess Marianne, the lady that was the leader for the group, she came to them to ask for their help. Who then? Oh, the people of her country. She knew that they loved their homeland as much as she did, and she said, I'm going to ask something so completely insane, it's going to blow your mind. But don't do it because of the great trade. Do it because of your love for your homeland. What was it she asked? She asked them to take the gold rings off of their fingers, gold earrings out of their ears, and trade those for iron. (laughs) Now, we know something about minerals in Midland, and one of the things we know is a bad trade, right? That's a bad swap. I'm going to give you gold, and you're going to give me iron? That's insane. Why would I do that? Well, you would do it because you're getting something more than valuable. So what she did to make it a little more palatable was she created things out of iron that would serve as a reminder of your gift, a reminder of your patriotism. Some of them you could wear. Take a look at this ring that's coming up on the screen now. The inscription on the ring says, Gold for iron. Now, I'm told the gold that is around it now was added back later. 
but it is a reminder. Every time you would see this ring of the love that you had for your homeland. Now, I don't know how much this particular piece is worth. I tried to find out, and it just was confusing to me. I looked at other pieces, and we'll look at those in a second. They are around $300,000. This is what love does. It turns iron into something far more precious and valuable than gold. It wasn't just rings, though. Take a look at this other picture of things that she made out of iron. Now, a moment ago, a moment ago, when I said we were going to trade gold for iron, some of you snickered, and rightfully so. But now, when you see what she made with the iron, I bet some of you would say, hey, here's my wedding ring right now. How can we swap? Because it would be a reminder, iron isn't necessarily all by itself worthless. Beautiful art like this has a value all its own. But you couldn't see it if it was just iron. Ah, but you could in the hands of the craftsman. And here's where we bridge back to the Christmas story. Jesus came for you because he could see in you something you couldn't see in yourself. He longed for you and was willing to pay any price to bring you home. Here's a couple of things I want you to take home with you. One, expect God's deliverance, even if it means you must wait. Our God keeps his promises always and forever. Two, ask for and anticipate God's goodness to be revealed in your life. Oh, but Darren, I've waited so long. You don't know how painful it's been. I've waited and God has not answered. Where is God in my waiting? Well, maybe you're in this last portion of the section we've taken up today. You see, the last portion of Simeon's blessing to them is a sign of wonder and a sign of warning. Now, the verses 30, 31, and 32, they're the kind of blessing that everybody wants to hear for their parents, for, for their child. A light for the revelation to Gentiles, for the glory of the people of Israel. Whoa, man, my son is going to be awesome. But then in verse 33, he wants to warn them. And his father and his mother marveled at what Simeon had said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. A word of blessing. This child shall be for the rising up of the nation of Israel. A word of blessing. This child is the light for the revelation to the Gentiles. A word of blessing. It has with it the idea that the ministry condition will reveal the condition of your heart. As Jesus reveals the heart of God, others understand that this is a word of blessing for them. But it's also a word of warning. A word of warning. There's pain ahead for Mary and Joseph. They'll see their son rejected, abused, and ultimately crucified. They aren't ready for the whole plan yet, but what Simeon tells them is enough to scare them as it should. Surely on this day, 
There won't be anything to fear. But Simeon wants to warn them that they're not to put their hope in the future they have planned for Jesus, but rather for the future God has planned, even if it brings suffering. As we wrap things up, I want to give you just four things that we gather from what Simeon shared with us. Four things that we can say, hey, these are the things we want to take home. Let's start here. Expect suffering. It's a natural part of the Christian experience. You might even say of the human experience. Don't let it surprise you. You see, Satan will tell you suffering is a result of God's punishment. Suffering is a result that you've done something wrong. Suffering is something that that God is using to correct or discipline you. Not that God can't or won't use it that way, but let's be clear, friends. Our God, our God owes an apology to most of biblical history, if that's true. We don't see any of the saints that escape suffering. All of them walk through a difficult season at some point in their lives. Expect suffering. Here's good news right behind it, though. Expect God to meet you in that suffering. He does not send you down the road all by yourself and wish you well. Instead, quite the opposite, he turns the whole thing on its head, and he says, I'm there not just with you, but within you. Ah, this is what God has done for us. Here's the third thing. Remember God is for you. Maybe you're not used to somebody being for you, but I want to tell you today, our God is for you. Your patience while you wait shows your confidence in who he is. Now, the temptation is to say, well, if God is for me, then why do I have to wait? Could it be that God is teaching us something in the waiting that we wouldn't learn if we didn't have to wait? Finally, and this is the part that I really want you to lean into, trust God's faithfulness to keep his promises. He's always done that. Just ask Simeon. Now, I want to ask you, what about you? Are you in a waiting place moment where waiting is what God has you doing now? What about you? Are you waiting for the Messiah, the promised one, to come into your life? Well, I'll have good news, friends. He's already here. The same one who created all that exists in the world is the same one who welcomes you into his heart. He's the one who says, call to me, and I will answer. He's the one that says, come to me, and I, I will give you rest. Oh, friends, today I want to give you the opportunity, I'd be wrong not to, give you the opportunity to come down and let me talk with you about that. Maybe you've seen the baptisms we started with, and you said, hey, I need to respond to Jesus today. In just a minute, I'm going to wait right down here while we sing. If that's you, if you're the one that God is tugging at the shirt sleeve, then come and talk to me. Maybe you have something you want to pray about, something you need to pray about, something that's broken you, something that's wounded you. Today is your day. Come down and let me pray with you. 
No, it's no magic potion, no silver bullet, but it is certainly something that can bring peace when you give obedience to a spiritual direction. Finally, if you're one looking for a church home and you feel like God has led you here for that purpose, then come down and let's talk about it right here. I hope you'll do that right now and you'll find that the promises of God are enough. Let's pray together. And now, Lord Jesus, you, the one who came after all those centuries of waiting, now you're waiting for us. You're waiting for us. You came looking for us, and your invitation is for us to respond to you. I pray, Lord, for those who need to do that very thing today. Give them freedom when we stand up in just a moment to step out and come down to where, here I, where I'm standing. I pray you'd bind Satan's angry words from them, that you wouldn't let fear trip them up or worries about what somebody else will think or say. Let today be the day, Lord, that you grant them freedom. I thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your goodness, even in the time of waiting. And I pray, Father, your peace while we wait. Do your work here among us now, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's your chance, my friends. We're only going to sing one verse if no one comes. So stand with me and sing as you come.